Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. And I'm Clint Jones. And today, we're talking about Resident Evil 4. Developed and published by Capcom, it was released in April of 2023 and is a remake of 2005's Resident Evil 4. We'll be talking spoilers, so just a heads up if you're sensitive to that. Uh, So, I have had my eye on Resident Evil 4 since we played Resident Evil 7 together years ago, and the wait has finally paid off. Yeah, I think (laughs) you're going to be one of the few people that uh, are enjoying this game, or at least from our generation, that are enjoying Resident Evil 4 for the first time now. That's true. Um, Normally people this excited for this game uh, would have had some sort of history with it, and I am not in that camp, uh, which is interesting. Like you said, I had so many opportunities. I could have played it on the GameCube. I could have played it on... I could have played it on PlayStation when it came out. I could have played it uh, anywhere. Uh, VR. (laughs) It's been on every console. Uh, Actually, I don't know if it's had more releases than Skyrim, but if not, it's pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's good reason for that. It is I- incredibly well loved. Um, you know, uh, I-, I think you know we recently played Dead Space, and this came up uh, as a big inspiration. I think you pointed this out, Clint. And um, for my money, I-, I can see that even in like the remake DNA. Um, but uh, from what I understand, you know, Blazing the Trail back in 2005, this really did set the tone for what action horror has come to be, and uh, it's still being felt today. Beyond just action horror, I think just action games in general, like a lot of the the uh, DNA from that game has made itself prevalent in like the last 20 years of gaming, which again, if people haven't played the original, I don't know that it would really, I don't know that it doesn't hold up now, but it, it's not as impressive, but mainly because you've seen it all, all those things done better, but it was like the grandfather for all these things to begin with, which is what makes it so impressive. Yeah, I think it's worth, it'd probably be worth returning to just given the fact that I've played a lot of the subsequent games and still enjoyed going back to Dead Space, um, you know, this past year. And so likewise, I think I would enjoy going back to, to Resident Evil, the original iteration. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the shiny, the new, yeah. the Resident Evil 4 remake, uh, Capcom currently going through a renaissance uh boy they they really can't seem to miss right now can they (laughs) no and i'm here for it so like i love what they've done to the whole um remake versus remake like i feel like a couple years ago everybody was doing remastered Mm -hmm. and it was just like okay cool this is nice like it looks prettier but it still plays like a bag of shit because it's so old like but they're like no we're gonna start rebuilding things from the ground up we're gonna even down to the mechanics, everything about it, they rebuild. And I feel like that's catching fire. Everybody's trying to do that now. Yeah. It's the difference between like, um, uh, I I guess a house with good bones. Like some of these houses didn't have good bones. They just needed to be gutted. (laughs) And it's not even that like for the time they had good bones, but like, I'm sorry, 10 years of improvements. Like you give us so many improvements. It's going to be hard to go back and enjoy something without those things. Like it's just how it is. Yeah. And, and they're, for what it's worth, I think it speaks to the fact of you know, how much care they're putting into these uh, remasters. You know, they, they seem to be really keeping the spirit of each of the titles alive, uh, keeping the things that um, people love about them and enhancing them rather than uh, looking for ways to uh, cleave away from, from what used to be and just rewrite the story entirely. Um, I think it's putting something in like a modern uh, context and uh, bringing it into you know, bringing it into the modern technology that it's worthy of. 
uh, and I'm really I'm I'm happy to have played this in the format it was. As I understand, it's uh, it's a great way to play it. And uh, says the guy who um, has just only recently played RE Village. I'm getting big RE Village vibes from this. Yeah, that was so funny when you said that. I'm like, nah, I think it's the other way around. You missed a step in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, you know, this is uh, basically me having only experienced one of these types of Resident Evil games uh, saying that. So um, that's that's my bad. Um, but for what it's worth, I think this does almost everything that game's doing uh, to a, a really incredible extent uh, and quite a bit better. Um, incredible pacing, incredible action and, and horror. And um, I'm just so glad to finally see, like, the fully formed granddaddy of the action horror genre in all its glory. It's uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So... We have played most of, let's see, on the cast we played RE7, we played RE8, we played RE2 Remake. Did you play any Resident Evil games before the cast? Or have I made you play all of these? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been this has been my introduction, and uh, I guess uh, the internet is witness to all of my Resident Evil uh, education over the last few years so that's been fun uh, it is a, a series i'm happy to say i am now a fan of and i'm looking forward to what's next uh, although i understand that they're going through some murky waters in the coming years they've got some <laughs> options we, we we got some moves we can make but uh but yeah i am curious to see what they do next because there is a not so great part of re history before they reinvented themselves which would be the next remake hopefully they just this is what I hope Dead Space does too. Dead Space was all big on on one and two, and three was a total miss. I hope they remake the good ones and then say, "Well, that was a miss. Let's just retcon that entirely and try to do something better." Yeah, or find a way to cleverly, you know, uh, cleverly restate it. Like I think this game is doing that quite a bit. And, you know, I haven't played the original RE4, but uh, I've, I've watched some content on it over the years. So I'll be happy to say I've done some YouTube trolling just to get myself up to speed, and. Um, my understanding is that um, it's it's remained pretty faithful while rewriting where it makes sense to for a modern audience. And I think that's probably for the best. And I think they'll probably do that with the upcoming ones as well. They had to cut a little bit. Like here or there, you'll notice like certain things got missed. But then they take certain areas, like the iconic areas. They're not like step for step, but they're very true to the original. And then mm-hmm. even areas that they had to get rid of like some really silly tone stuff, they still found a way to like work it in just in a more serious tone, which I liked a lot. Yeah, I agree. And I guess before we get too far into the discussion about what we like and dislike, uh, let's set up the game. Um, So in Resident Evil 4, you are playing as Leon S. Kennedy once again. Uh, Return, you know, he is now uh, not just a rookie police officer going through the the station. He is uh, a special agent on a mission to rescue the president's daughter, Ashley Graham, um, which is ridiculous. Why did they just send this one man to a rural village in Spain to rescue the president's daughter? Did you not read the notes? It's because it was an inside job and they couldn't trust anyone else. God, it's like you didn't read any of the lore. Do you only do that for Elden Ring? Come on, man. Uh, all right. You got me. You got me dead to rights on that one. And um, thank you for explaining that. You to got me. it. it makes- uh, that makes a Resident Evil sense, which I think is going to be a phrase I'm going to have to use a few times. Yeah, um, <laughs> you have to be willing to jump through a few hoops. That's okay. Yeah, that's kind of what we're here for. Um, but villagers in this uh, remote Spanish village have uh, pledged themselves to a cult called Los Illuminados, and they are the ones that have kidnapped Ashley, and uh, it is Leon's job to roundhouse kick all of them in the face until they give her back. And stab. Don't forget the stab. 
Yes, stab and or roundhouse kick. Uh, guns, sure, why not? If we must. <laughs> if we must, if we must. But to that end, um, I think I really was interested in how this game sort of like just dropped you off in a car and said, all right, here you are. No helicopter, no airdrop. It's no, not too much fanfare. Really, you're, you kind of just get out of the car and you're there and you start hoofing it towards your, your target, um, which again, reminiscent of Ari Village, um, says the guy who, again, only has Ari Village as a reference point for this. <laughs> which was pretty much them trying to do a modern remake of RE4 before they did RE4 remake. And right off the bat, the thing that I think I noticed most is this game is gorgeous um this re engine is insanely good insanely like malleable i think um you know this is the game that uh monster hunter games are in but also it's the game that uh you know really uh, up close and personal action uh adventure type games like this are so it has the ability to do these gigantic incredible environments and then also really well rendered and modeled um characters as well like the hitboxes on this game are insane yes very good actually i heard a lot of people online complaining about the graphics and i'm like i don't know what you expected guys this is uh not only is it pretty but it plays very well like it's hard to marry those two um and this re engine does a really good job of making things look good or gritty or whatever they're going for but also play very well and i think you're spot on with the hitboxes like there are some things where i was trying to take shots in between this and that and just barely have us like and it hits just right like it does a very good job with that you, you will never have like an uh, a shot that hits on something invisible and mm. and stops midair like it, to the to an almost ridiculous extent like i have um accidentally shot a uh zombie in the axe that he is just at that moment blocking his face with instead of the face and it, it registers that I have shot the same axe then out of the air as it was heading towards me. Yep. Um, you can do some truly incredible stuff with this, this engine and it lets you do it like it, it, it really rewards precision, um, which is perfect for a game with the legacy of this game, which is based on that stop and pop and making sure you're taking very specific shots at body parts and things. I was a little concerned about the pacing of this game and because originally it wasn't designed it was designed for that stop and pop right you could not move and aim at the same time you had to stop shoot and then go like to then turn around and be like okay now Leon is suddenly way more mobile he can mm. like again some of these areas were pretty closely designed towards the originals like I don't know how that that pacing in the field is going to feel the same but they did a really good job of keeping it I think they made it a little more more enemies were coming at you. They required that you do more to, to to stay in the fight. I don't know. It kept the pacing about on par with the original while changing the mechanics entirely. That was probably no easy feat. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And I think we're starting to see this more and more as we see games continue to be remade is that they endeavor to bring the mechanics into a modern feel, but then preserve that same feel that you got from the original right so like make the game feel the same but with modern mechanics you know yeah um it was just a little more of a tall order this time like we, we played dead space but in the original dead space you could move and shoot at the same time like this is like a complete redesign yeah and it, especially with the environments like um the way everything continues to be interconnected and we'll talk about this a little later about sort of the three act structure which is reminiscent of uh re2 uh for me 
again, guy who's only played four Resident Evil games, calling back to all his favorites here. <laughs> I mean, you're most of the way there now. I mean, if we're not counting remakes as doubles up, you're 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 four out of you're halfway there. Yeah, you got sure. four out of eight. Um, but to that end, uh, before we move on from um, this game's sort of incredible technical prowess, is I want to mention, I want to call this out because it was one of the first things I think I uh, pinged you about when we uh, were talking about the game is the controller sound effects mm. are good. This is the first yes. game I really enjoyed the controller sound effects. I legit think they're really well done. <laughs> so I guess we should have called this out at the beginning, but um, of of all the platforms that this was available on, Brian and I both played on PS5. And the whole reason when you asked me which one to play it on, I actually have it for... I'm a... I love RE. Like, there's no... Anybody who listens to the podcast is going to know. I like Resident Evil. So I got this on PC, and I got it on PlayStation 5, and I can tell you that the DualSense was very tastefully done. It wasn't just the sounds. You feel every last one of Leon's uh, foot pads, too. Like, every time he takes a step, you can feel it. You feel very connected. Like, it does a very good job of, like, putting you in the experience. It was very well done. Yeah, and I think the the thing about the the speaker sounds that really worked for me is that they only really use them for things that befit a controller's shitty speaker, you know, like walkie-talkie chatter or gun-clicking sounds. Like, they always use, like, the exact register that that controller can actually produce to an effective degree. Yep. They're not trying to, like, have you do, like, fully voiced or cinematic things or have someone talking to you in real time on there. They're having, you know, things you'd expect to be at a lower grade than what's coming out of your uh, probably much superior stereo from your tv you know yeah um and i I appreciate that like using the hardware for what it it excels at i think it just shows that like this developer is one that like knows what they're working with they know the engine really well they know the hardware really well and like this is all on display for this game i I don't think i really had much to complain about from a technical aspect at all dual sense is a very like it has a lot of potential, but not a lot of developers have really cracked how to use it really well. Some people have gone over the top where it's almost cheesy. A lot of people underuse it. This is like spot on. If more people went with this balance, I like you you would almost never notice it until you realize like, holy shit, like this feels amazing. Like you almost don't even notice it. it just feels natural, which is one of the coolest parts of it. But anyway, I think if anybody has a PlayStation and they have it, like if, if you have multiple consoles and you don't know where to play it, I would strongly recommend playing on PlayStation. It played very well. And the DualSense was an awesome addition to that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have played it on the PlayStation. Um, I'm sure it'd be fine on, on other platforms. But the things we just talked about lead me to believe that this is a step up. So um, that, that gets my nod just personally. You spoke about how um, the feel is just right for this game, and I think that's nowhere better exemplified than in the combat, and specifically all of the various weapons you have at your disposal. Um, for example, uh, I asked early on, what gun do I, what gun or guns do I need to be using in this game? And, and you gave me the sage advice: there's no bad weapon in this game. And so I kind of just chose based on what looked cool, and uh, I, that was rewarded. I, I really do think that all the guns do feel like interesting there are four pistols they all do feel different and they all do have specialties that are useful oh brian (laughs) there's more pistols than that (laughs) i wish i wish i got them all (laughs) there's actually a whole bunch and i think there's like three shotguns at least three rifles and of course some other things but none of them felt like overlaps like they all you're right they all had their own 
Um, they all, all have their own purpose. Like one's really good for precision shots. One's not good at being precise at all, but it's a pretty much a hand cannon. And then you've got one that can pierce through multiple enemies. Like, and then one's actually not so great at a lot of those things, but it's super small, so it's not eating up your inventory. Like, there's a bunch of like different reasons to use all these different guns. And I like that just because you got the first shotgun or the first pistol, that one could carry you through the whole game if that's the strategy you want to go with. Um, yeah. But like getting the next one is like, oh, I got pistol number two. It's time to stop upgrading this and go to that one instead. No, you can keep going with what you got. You just use it for a specific purpose. So I don't know. Like I, I used the original rifle the whole game. Yeah, I, I actually used both the original shotgun and rifle for the whole game. The only thing I switched up was the pistol and my... Oh, no, I, I lied. I, I switched up my shotgun halfway through. Um, Tactical shotgun or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, uh, the the riot gun. Yep. Um, and to that end, uh, I I think it's so fascinating that like it would be so easy to just have an entirely different run with this game based on your loadout. Um, like it would feel entirely different, and and I, <laughs> we will and I did do that, and uh, a whole yeah. bunch actually, and it plays very differently. You're right. Yeah, and and I think the game is uh, really observing that very well by having an ammo economy that forces you to switch weapons pretty often. Like for a long, long time in this game, I didn't have a submachine gun, and then um, all of a sudden, the ammo economy being what it was, uh, I, I got the one shotgun that the game. Uh, you know, had you pick up in the environment rather than having you buy it. And all of a sudden I had all the shot or uh, some machine gun ammo. And I was like, well, I, I guess I'm using some machine gun for a while now. And so halfway through the game, it was an entirely different game suddenly as I began using that type of weapon. Um, and that was really cool. Like, I think I could have had that experience much earlier if I had just chosen to buy the TMP or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's what this game is. About. I mean, it's, this is survival horror slash action, but what separates this from like a Call of Duty is the fact that you have to adapt and survive, right? You have to work with the tools that you have at your disposal. You don't just have an assault rifle that you get ammo for consistently throughout the whole game. Like, I like that it makes you think on your toes. You're always looking at every encounter as like, okay, this isn't a given. I have to think about how I'm going to approach this based on what I currently have. And then it's almost like a combat puzzle like we've talked about with other games. I don't think this is anywhere more apparent than in the variety you get with your idea or with the ability to start using close quarters combat in this game too namely uh knife fights yes and kicking <laughs> that was another new addition to this game like again i wasn't sure how they were going to balance that and still make it feel good but yeah any literally any attack in the entire game can be parried include up to and including a chainsaw. <laughs> but they did a very good job of, uh, I think, balancing what you could do with a knife versus, like, they didn't let you use it too much so that things aren't a threat anymore. I feel like it struck a good balance. The really cool thing about it is, is I'm used to the knife in Resident Evil being the oh shit button, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's the get out of jail free card if you're being grappled by an enemy. Yeah. But this adds an entire new utility to it, as you mentioned, parrying. Parrying objects out of the air flying towards you. Parrying... Everything, yeah, like you said, up to and including chainsaws from a melee perspective. It's great. Um, it feels really good, and I love how fast you can switch from using your rifle to blasting a dude with a shotgun next to you a few yards away, and then a guy behind you comes in with a crowbar, and you parry him and then stab him in the face or roundhouse kick him. Uh, final thing we need to mention, there is melee that isn't just knives. There is Leon's magnum strength 
foot <laughs> going into okay. someone's face. <laughs> so that was in the original. That's That's been preserved. The, the knife was there too, but it was not used as a pairing device at all. And I, I really like how fast it was. It, it added a, a skill layer to this game that really made the combat shine. So I like games like... And, and I know you like games like this too, but like Sekiro or Elden Ring or all these these games that we're playing these days, I feel like all have a skill parry mechanic that's like if you can pull this off, you can save your ass. Like I loved how they put that in there because again, it gives you that like last second, like oh shit, got it, and you feel it feels good when you pull it off because it it does take skill to pull off. I will say this game's parry window is pretty generous compared to most. You played it on normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I do play most games on normal. Yeah. But I think even 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 games that, you know, have a parry mechanic, generally speaking, um, I don't get me wrong. I think it's tuned perfectly because there's a lot of hits coming at you in this oh, game. Yeah. And if you're not able to parry a lot of them most of the time, you're going to have a bad time. Uh, unless you know you're uh, playing on a very high difficulty, and then you're you're asking for it at that point. That's your your progress. Correct. I did do one run on professional, and I can tell you this is like Sifu level, uh, perfect parry like required. Mm. Not as fu- like that was fun as a challenge, but yeah, just a different type of game at that point, right? Like you are probably playing more akin to Resident Evil Sifu than you are playing resident evil rambo for sure um. <laughs> but I, I will bring something up okay so that whole fight with krauser right the knife fight oh yeah they made mm-hmm. that feel badass did they not oh yeah I, I loved it like i i i was i would point out the first knife fight with krauser not the second yeah, yeah. that's like one of my favorite things in the game right okay so i'm going to tell you something in the original resident evil 4 that was all quick time events because they had no way mm-hmm. of making this feel good. like it was People complained about it. Well, I feel like Resident Evil did quick time events before they were like the thing yeah, everybody they were needed. In the, they were during the rise of quick time events. Yes, yeah. we, we can we can say you know God of War's out there doing that too. So sure, but I had no idea how they would recreate that fight and still make it as epic. But the the melee combat that they worked out in this game still made that kind of encounter possible and still made it like a set piece moment with. Without quick time events at all. That's just like standard. That's how the melee works in this game. It's very nice. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that they could basically one-up what would have been like a set-piece cinematic moment in any like former generation game just in live combat through this game's incredibly cinematic combat engine. That's incredible. I remember hitting <laughs> you up on Discord telling you about how badass it was, completely forgetting that you had not played the original. I'm like, he, uh, never mind. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have, I have no context for that, but I, 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 you know, 12 hours later, I agreed with you. Um, one, one other final thing that I didn't use extensively, but I wondered if you did, is uh, stealth is in this game. And I feel like it's actually pretty well done. Yeah, that's another weird thing that wasn't in the original. Again, I don't know how they took all these new elements and then still made it feel like the original game's pacing. But yes, stealth didn't work all the time, but moving into an encounter, you could probably take out a guy or two and kind of save yourself some trouble. Like... There was never like a oh I'm gonna go hitman and and clear an entire area, but still you could do yourself a couple favors and and get a strategic point or two and then be through. Yeah, that that was kind of where I landed on it. Is like I I quickly realized that it was never going to be a thing that I was able to yeah as you mentioned clear an area with. But um, there were a few things where I could take out one or two and then like get into a good position to snipe another two or three, and then I would you know like that's five dudes down out of, I don't know, the 15 that are in the room. And that's pretty darn good. 
Um, it's a lot better than I would have done otherwise. Um, so to that end, I think it just gives you a lot more options than I think I was used to expecting from a Resident Evil game, even Resident Evil Village. Like that, this is way more on the open end of the tactical side of things. Yeah, and it really sold Leon as that. You're right, like like a tactical SWAT guy. That's basically what he is. He's an elite soldier, right? He, um, but more importantly, what I really liked, and we'll get into this more later, I'm sure, is the open gameplay. It it uh, it rewards outside of the box thinking. And what the stealth can really be annoying in games because they don't let you stealth the big bads, right? Like you're like, oh, that's a hard enemy. You can't stealth him. Like just it, 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 it like subverts the whole thing. But no, like in this game, like if you can manage to sneak up on the big guy. You can get them. Like, they don't punish you for trying to, to use the mechanics at your disposal, which I like a lot. Yeah, agreed. And speaking of big guys, uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, types of enemies you're, you're running up against in, in good old Resident Evil 4. Right off the bat, uh, I, I like how this game escalates from very you know, tried and true, your cultists, your cultists that eventually you've realized are definitely zombies, uh, into something a little more sinister, guys with chainsaws and animal heads. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take I'm going to take some offense here. These again, if you'd have read the lore, you would have known these poor villagers that you've been killing left and right are just are just as much a victim as you. They didn't they didn't know what they were doing. They were I mean, it, this is all Ram, or Ramon's fault. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. He he was uh, taking advantage of these poor people, and and now here they are, infested by bugs. I do have a note on that. I I did actually. Um, I clocked this uh, very late in the game, and again, spoiler warnings are are all off. But very late in the game, you find a note from one Luis uh, after he has uh, passed, and we'll talk about some of the characters at play here besides good old Leon very shortly. But. Um, he says that he eventually sort of changed his heart because uh, he saw what was going on in the village and how um, Ramon and the Umbrella Corporation had taken advantage of all of them and, and turned them into what they are today. And so he, you know, wanted to do some good, and that's why he becomes your ally. But um, yeah, we we will talk about Louise more, um, who is a fascinating character. I liked him, but uh, yeah, as as you mentioned, uh, lots of crazy shit going on in that village. Uh, cultists who are or forced cultists, if you will. Maybe they're not in their right mind. Uh, maybe they're just possessed by worms or bugs or whatever. Happened. They all have weird <laughs> butt worms, and now they've become zombies. <laughs> yeah, don't drink the water, man. No. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you get your various animal head guys that have chainsaws and hammers and miniguns, and they're kind of like the the heavies of the normal types of uh, enemies, you know, the, the humanoid enemies, if you will. Then you get uh, some more monstrous enemies. You get your little spiders and uh, bug creatures that will fly over to you and stab you with their tendrils. And then finally, I think probably the like set piece most amazing monstrous enemy is the Regenerator. Oh, yeah. He was cool. I was going to ask you who your favorite <laughs> enemies were, or least favorite, because I guess it could go either way. Regenerator's probably my favorite and least favorite. Like, always terrified to come across one, but at the same time, like, great concept. That's a good feeling, though. Like, they have, and, and it wasn't even just them. You forgot the Garadors and, like, a couple of the other guys. Like, they're constantly shifting things up so that, like, okay, I feel good. I feel like I can manage this crowd. Like, okay, cool, but could you do it with a guy with giant claws on his hands? Okay, cool, what if there's a giant ogre in here? What if there's a guy 
that literally can keep coming back until you shoot them in one specific spot, but it's different every time. Like, oh my... Like, it's just doing enough to keep you on your toes. Yeah, I, I want to call out the Gyarados that you mentioned um, very quickly for... Uh, being maybe a trope at this point, but I think uh, would have been novel in in their uh, original instantiation. Oh, and they were uh, the, the the blind enemy. You know, you have this massively powerful, durable enemy that can only hear. So you have to be stealthy and sneak around them and get pot shots off and distract them with noises and pots and things of that nature. Um, you know, you've probably seen it before many other places, but I think one this game probably did it very early on in uh, in that life cycle in its original form but two it's done extremely well in this form <laughs> i don't think i've seen it anywhere else and the one other thing i'll say about the enemy types is they do a very good job of not overdoing it like mm. um the garador as icon that's massively iconic for resident evil 4 right they mm-hmm. could have just been like garador's everywhere they did it mm. twice, literally twice. You you do a single one one time, and then they mix two into a combat scenario, which is quite stressful later as like a set piece, like almost like a, a chapter ender. Like that's... Yeah, that was a boss for sure. The two Garador fight it absolutely was a chapter end boss, and it was sufficiently tense for sure. Um, but I, I will take issue with one thing you said. You said that the game never overdoes it, but it does in the bosses. They are all incredibly overdone and incredible for it. Um, a huge amount of variety. I meant like overdoing it like you're seeing the same guy over and over. They keep the special special by not showing you the same thing too many times. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is these bosses are all over the top in the best possible way. <laughs> and they're all different too. Like, again, like the Krauser fight we talked about. It's all very like close quarters, like military style. And then you've got Oh my. Let's go right from the start, the lake monster. I mean, No, 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 let's literally- start at the beginning. <laughs> Dr. Salvador, crazy chainsaw man, he's enough of a boss at the beginning. Oh, yeah, Complete, yeah, for Completely sure. terrifying. Um, I think the fact that now that I saw him in like full HD with his mismatched eyes, he looks crazy as shit. Like, in the, in the old game, <laughs> it looks like maybe somebody just put a bag over their head, but now that you can see him in full HD glory, you realize he's one of those guys with the, you know, the monstrous head he just put a bag over it to hide it like yeah we we didn't i I feel like we didn't uh call this out uh strongly enough in the cultist section but there are some cultists uh, just or rather normal villagers that once you down them once uh you'll see them twitching on the ground and that is your cue to go over and knife them very quickly because otherwise they will stand back up and sprout a gigantic pillar of worms from their head which is going to try and eat your face with razors on it of course but (laughs) yeah yeah worms with razors not not something you want to see generally speaking um but yeah to, to that end though um you know, we talked about the variety of bosses. You mentioned um, our first uh, signature chainsaw guy, Dr. Salvatore, the lake monster. Uh, that was hugely fun for me. It was great to see Leon basically outthrow Peyton Manning with his cannon <laughs> of a javelin arm going into that, that fight. And evidently they um, had like 1,000 javelins in that little tiny boat. I don't know how that worked, but I'm glad it I, did. I wondered where he kept getting them. I like to think he was just fishing them out of the water as he was dragging them around. Um, but the... Then there was Giants. Giants make an appearance in this game. Why the hell not? Um, Equally incredibly fun. And then just all of the sort of named enemies. You mentioned Ramon, um, sort of ridiculous inbred um, duke of the castle. (laughs) And boy, um, (laughs) you know, once you see the Las Plagas, a.k.a. 
Resident Evil virus infected side of all of these guys. Like their designs are fantastic. They're all really over the top and all of the fights are, you know, what you'd expect from a tense Resident Evil fight. I'm forgetting the name, which I'm sorry, every I might have it. big RE fan here, but do you remember the one, the almost unbeatable enemy while you're waiting for the uh, S, uh, the elevator to come? His name is the Verdugo. Verdugo. You can choose yes. to, yeah, you can choose to use the uh, the liquid nitrogen against him to freeze him in his tracks and disable him for a bit. Did you do that? Did you did you kill him or did you run from him? I ran from him. Okay, um, I, 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 did I felt no need to. <laughs> I felt no need. <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy's out of my league. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just freeze him here and say goodbye. <laughs> Leon gets real sassy if you beat him, uh, which I really? which I really like. <laughs> I, on, my, on my first playthrough, I did not get him. I, I, I held out for the full five minutes, which was crazy. But Now that we're on the topic, you know, we've talked about some of the enemies and, and the bosses and how ridiculous they are. And we could talk about some of their characterization later. Uh, in fact, maybe right now, because I want to talk about the characters in this game, because they are um, all, from my perspective, fairly well done. Um, you know, Leon, like you mentioned, um, boy, it is a breath of fresh air not playing as Ethan. Um, because <laughs> coming from the guy so that looks exactly like Ethan, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. But um, Leon is just so much more charismatic, and like beyond that, in this game, you know, he has the quips, he has the roundhouse kicks, but he's also just like a good dude. Like the way he interacts with Ashley, like it makes you feel like he's not a creep; he's a good dude. Yes, and this was a change from, um, I guess, not. He was never a creep, but he was. He was a little more corny, whatever. That that was the style of the time, and it worked out very well. I really enjoyed how they made him a little more down to earth this time. Like he still had the quips, but it wasn't like over the top. And also, they made him like a hero, hero, right? Like he saw some shit in RE2, and you can tell it affects him. If you look at his eyes, he, he has like the purpling under his eyes. He's not sleeping. He's He's upset, like he's not been the same since that happened. Like he's clearly affected. He's a real person. I liked how they personified him. Yeah, he looks like us. Yeah, he looks like a new parent who hasn't been sleeping. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> they did a real good job of making him feel like somebody that's actually been through some stuff, not just some guy that's like throwing out weird jokes as he murders his way through a village. Um, that's true. Yeah, I think Ashley was the biggest uh, character improvement out of everything. They made her like obnoxious damsel in distress in 2004 2005's re4 like she was just she was just annoying but they made her an actual like contributor in this one and i feel like it was the gravitas between her and leon like they actually had a trust relationship that you got to see grow that was cool yeah there's a, a good rapport that was built between them and and the interesting thing to me is um i feel like there was a, a lesson learned here from god of war 2018 where over the course of the game ashley went from you know, constantly being afraid during battles, covering her ears and cowering as, as things appeared to actually being slightly more active, not to the point of like attacking, but we're not talking about like the son of a God here. We're talking about high school, a high schooler or something like that. But she, but she had good ideas. Like she would come up with solutions and try to help. She wasn't obnoxious. Yeah, she, she definitely like was helpful. And at the end of the day, like after a big, like room clearing uh battle or something like that leon would say like hey you doing okay and like over the course of the game you could see her going from like really shaky after those types of situations to like more composed and i think she's just really deftly written 
Uh, except for the part where she's, you know, watching Leo down two rotten fish and a viper and saying something like, hey, you know, I could get you assigned to my detail if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I liked also that she would check in on you. Like, it wasn't just all, yeah, it true. wasn't all yeah. about her. If, if you got hurt a lot in an encounter, she'd be like, are you doing okay? Like, she would, it, it made it feel more natural. Again, like, it wasn't all about her. Like, she cared about Leon, Leon cared about her, and they never had to, like, go, like, they didn't have to do the weird was, romantic arc or anything weird with it. Like, it just felt like two people that were genuinely in the shit together trying to help each other out to get out. Absolutely. I think that was the key here is it was like a, a platonic partnership rather than like trying to force some sort of weird romantic situation. Uh, speaking of forcing weird romantic situations, we have to talk about Louise. Ah, the ladies' man. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Rico Suave. Um, he... Uh, <laughs> I guess he's this game's redemption arc. Uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, he realized what was going on and sort of decides to start helping the other side. So he's kind of your inside guy, but, you know, early on you learn that he worked for Umbrella, he's a researcher, um, and he plays an important part in that he kind of is the key to the game's main subplot, which is Leon and Ashley both contract the virus. Las Plagas, and he basically has the key to getting them or getting it out of them. Yeah, forcefully, of course. So, actually, <laughs> that's the whole reason they have Ashley in the first place, is they finally have a strain that doesn't completely turn you into a zombie, and they can they wanted to infect her, send her back to her life, and then infect everyone from there, because she would just mm. be their sleeper cell, basically. And they were doing the same with Leon. Again, in the in the original game, they didn't do a great job explaining, like, okay, why do they keep leaving Leon alive? Like, why are they leaving these people alive? They want to kill him, why don't they kill them? It was because... They don't, huh. Yeah, it's because they want them to go back to their normal life and spread this everywhere else. They basically want them to be patient zero. Um, however, Louise is a very... It's very much Resident Evil. If you look at Ada, too, like, there are almost, like, no black and white characters outside of, like the main villains like everybody you it's very obscure what everyone's intentions are sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad obviously louise got into a situation he didn't mean to get into right he was just a scientist dude a ladies man doing what he does <laughs> <laughs> yeah a great loss for the world is with his passing uh, but you you mentioned ada um which i guess is uh the other side of the coin from louise uh very reserved but also like the very a sultry agent who sort of helps you sometimes doesn't um but she's always kind of saving your ass you know saving leon's ass that is and um you find out at the very end of the game that she has some ulterior motives in terms of who she's working for like why she was even over in this spanish village at the same time as leon was in the first place uh, which i think is interesting um but at the end of the day i think she also gets um a little bit of short shrift in terms of like what she has to do in this game. She kind of just swoops in, does a thing, sometimes saves you, and then swoops out. Well, okay, there's a reason for that. Uh, for the uninitiated, there's a whole other, uh, what I will call a DLC side of the story called uh, Separate Ways, I believe, which even Leon said at the end, I think this is the point where we go our separate ways, and everybody's like, oh my god, he said the title of the thing. Um, there is a DLC called Separate Ways where you play as Ada, and then you see her side of the story, which we're fully uh -oh. expecting will come out this year. So, hmm. spoiler alert. Okay, so we're expecting Ada DLC. Yeah. Interesting. I like that idea, actually, because it's it's very clear we have, like, a, a Link and Sheik dynamic going on here where there's, like, two people doing two different things at the same time. Yep. 
Oh, or, you know, I guess you could say a uh, Leon and Claire situation if you're re- referencing your Resident Evil 2, uh, as I want to do. <laughs> and if you look back at most Resident Evil games, there well, it's not all of them, but most of them have a second character that you see the other side of the coin while you're doing your thing, this is what they were doing. And there's a bit of that with Ada here. So, And I guess the final character that uh, I want to call out... Uh, not a not a good guy, of course, but Krauser, because they do actually give him like a very interesting backstory and like for why he's so fucked up, um, which is uh, good and illustrative and like shows how someone's, I guess, ideology can turn them towards some really unsavory stuff. Yeah. Again, this is all stuff that came out in the middle. Again, they could have done this in a in a cutscene or something else. But instead, you're gathering all this information in the middle of a harrowing knife fight with a boss it was so cool i loved how they unfolded all that and and for those of you who haven't played the original krauser was leon's like commanding officer i guess Mm -hmm. yeah he trained him yeah so i don't know there's like a closeness there too again this makes no sense in real world terms like why why would this all line up the way it did however it is really cool if you can suspend your disbelief for a little bit and just play the game yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, it, it's he's a good villain in that he has like uh, a longstanding relationship with uh, the protagonist. He's uh, I guess he's fallen and now it's Leon's job to, to put him away. And that was really it, it was it was more than I expected from like a Resident Evil villain, you know? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they chose to kill him off camera for for as many times as they are like gore forward, which is constant in this game like the idea is to blow pieces of things off maybe not as bad as dead space but still but when you when leon finally has to kill krauser they do it off screen which i was like okay it kind of shows like a this was like a private moment yeah it is reserved and i i can appreciate that too you know this is a big moment for the franchise you know this is a guy who's been around for all four games whether on screen or off so to that point he is a major character and uh yeah. you know they give his passing the weight it deserves you're forgetting my favorite character. What are you buying? <laughs> Hello, stranger. <laughs> oh, that's a really good impression. <laughs> oh man, um. I really love what they did with this uh, with the with the merchant here. So I think he had um, three phrases. What are you buying? What are you selling? And that was pretty much it for the original. But they like really fleshed him out and made him like a fun like reprieve, like something terrible would happen. And then you'd run to that room and he'd be like, gun rhymes with fun, doesn't it? For a reason, yeah. It's like it's like Austin Powers meets, <laughs> I don't know. A pirate? A Captain pirate. Hook? <laughs> yeah, kind of. And that's the guy you buy everything from. I don't know. Yeah, no, he's incredible. Uh, yeah, I, uh, the merchant is also kind of a key part of this game. And you're so happy to see him. Like, I cannot tell you the amount of times that I saw the signature purpley blue flame in the distance and like breathed a huge sigh of relief oh my god thank god it's a save point it's a chance to buy some weapons upgrade repair my destroyed knife and body armor (laughs) and uh finally uh maybe i don't know check and see what he's got on discount uh because i thought this was a really interesting thing to me is they would discount stuff and it changed so it kind of like was almost the game suggesting like hey why don't you try this out and i like that yeah it's like a chapter for chapter like he was good for other things too like he would mention things like hey uh, again, he had his own weird way of saying it, but he'd let you know, like, hey, uh, this is like one of those 
moments where you're not going to get to come back again. So anything you need to do, maybe do it before you go past this point. He would do a good job of like letting you know those kinds of things. Diegetically, as you would say. Might want to take care of any leftover errands before going this way. Be ashamed to live the rest of your life wondering, what if? Am I right? But on top of that, he also, uh, and this was, uh, I guess, present to a lesser extent in the original version, had a variety of requests that he would have available out in the world. There were pieces of paper taped up everywhere that say, like, man, these these uh, villagers are hanging these weird blue symbols all over the place. Uh, destroy them all for me, and I will reward you with a gem. I don't remember that being a thing at all in the original. Obviously, the blue medallions were a thing um, that you could get a couple things off of. I think that's how you got the the Punisher in the original game, the one that mm. like pierces through multiples. But I, I don't remember his requests being an actual thing in, in the first one. So yeah, that's a whole mm. that's a whole new thing. Well, let's talk about it a little bit because I think this was really additive. Um, I, I like this quite a bit. Um, there are basically three main areas in this game. There's the village area, the castle area, and the lab complex. And each of them has uh, a series of requests associated with them that are given by the merchant, you know, whether it's destroy a bunch of rats or find this particular treasure or kill this very hard enemy. And he'll reward you with a specific currency, which is these gems called spinals. And you can use them to exchange for, uh, either very valuable weapons or upgrades or tickets to get specialized upgrades. And um, aside from being a way to, uh, you know, continue to build up your Leon into the ultimate killing machine, uh, they're kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think on the first run through, I did most most of them. I, I did not do one of the kill this really hard enemy in the village thing because I think I was out of ammo and I was like, I can't even possibly deal with that right now. So that's the thing. It's the only one I missed on my first playthrough. But yeah, it added a whole new layer to the game. And again, as you would say, there's some things money can't buy. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I loved like his whole attitude about the thing is basically like, these are the special items that literally are off menu. Go do some shit for me and I will get you something cool. Off menu is a good way to put it. Yeah, you're getting the the real good stuff behind the counter. Yeah. Um, but I I really appreciated that. I think um, this was a way that I think we can see the care again with the the remake. Like none of this sort of open area multiple quest stuff could have ever existed on an uh, earlier iteration of this game. There just wasn't the hardware available to do something like that. And now that we have like again, you know, all of the influence being felt here from all of these games with large interconnected areas like your dark souls and your Sekiro's and your bloodborns like we're starting to see that seep into these legacy games in the best way possible like really turning them into like these really deep interesting experiences that are rewarding you for exploring them yep and i don't want to call it like a metroidvania style thing but it it's kind of it has some elements that like when you're going back through these areas, every time it's been recontextualized in some way, like something's collapsed and now you can't get through a certain way or this has been blown up or this new area has been opened up in a different way. Like it's never the same twice. And they'll ask you to go like if you would like, if you want to live in this game world a little bit longer, go back through this area. It will be different and complete these set of tasks. And if you do, you can have something cool. Like it just gives you more reason to keep playing instead of just blasting right through to the, to the end. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, I always like that they make these things optional, but also uh, very fun. Like, 
it, it rewards the player who wants to be rewarded with more stuff. I think that's literally the best reward you can give a player is more game. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're having a good time with this game, what's a better reward than more game? And the good thing about this game is it's a game that makes you want to play more. Like, uh, I know some people complain about extra content. Like, I recently played Hogwarts Legacy, and some people just hated on the extra content because it felt like filler. And they, you clearly, if, if, if you're upset about extra content, you're not happy about remaining in the world that you. this game never once made me feel like oh my god i don't want to do this the other thing is like nothing that you get from the extra content is really required like it's not like you're gonna be punished for not doing it it's just extra i think that's the key difference is like if you're forcing someone through a gauntlet of shit that they don't want to deal with that's entirely different than saying um and if you're enjoying this well <laughs> You know, if you like what's in the attic, well then you better not check the basement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, this Resident so, Evil, uh, don't don't go to the basement. No, never go to the basement. Uh, to that end, you know, you have obviously plumbed the depths of this game in a big way. So tell, tell me about replayability, because, you know, I could already see the bones of what replayability meant to this game with the weapon choice and the ability to, um, you know, keep what you have in a new game plus. But I, I feel like uh, from what I heard in our chat, uh, you've gone quite a bit further than that. <laughs> yeah, I went wild. I actually got the platinum for this game, which is quite difficult. Um, uh, I think I did five ended up doing five playthroughs and not all of them were new game plus but yeah so like this game does a really good job of like okay if you beat the game with these certain criteria okay you can start the game again and yes you can keep everything but also now you can get this thing like ashley has a uh a suit of armor that while it looks ridiculous it does not allow her to be picked up or, or carried away um well, that's useful. Uh, on a new game plus, you can buy an infinite rocket launcher if you happen to have two million dollars, which nobody does. So you're probably getting that on your third or fourth, <laughs> uh, you know, replay. Or it's just a bunch of little things that modify the gameplay in this way or that. It's nothing's outside of the rocket launcher, which is again meant to be on your like fourth or fifth playthrough. Like nothing's crazy different. But just enough to change it up just a little bit. And then, as per usual, Resident Evil has, like, speedrun stuff to it as well. And a lot of the modifiers that you get are predicated on you being able to beat the game in a certain amount of time on a certain level and all that stuff. So it's just constantly giving you, like, bite-sized things to incrementally get better at. And also, it gets shorter and shorter every time. I think my first playthrough was 17 hours. And my, yeah, my they're about for me, too. My shortest playthrough was two and a half hours. Like, you can... Damn. <laughs> you can book it if you know what to do. Um, so, again, it, it's not like you're, like, slogging through this. It, it, it gives you fun and new creative ways to get through. Like, also, the, so the rocket launcher is something you could buy. You could buy one every level. Um, we were talking about creative play earlier. This is kind of kind of some fun little ways you can use this. Yes, you can beat a boss quickly with it. But also, I don't know if you remember, there's an area where there's a cave-in and you have to go get TNT and move through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was, like, randomly, like, I got a rocket launcher. I wonder if I could shoot it at that and skip this whole thing. Sure is, sure enough. Yep. Oh, shit. Totally can. Little things like that. Also, if you start New Game Plus and you're in the village, right, you have to play through this whole scenario until the bell rings, right? Well, if you have a sniper mm. rifle and can shoot the bell from a distance, well, the bell has rung and everyone will leave. Like little... Oh, I love it. Little things like that that are never meant to be seen on your first playthrough. But for someone in the know, you'd be like, I wonder if this crazy out there thing would work. It might. It usually does, turns out. 
I love that. I, I like when a game like obeys its own rules like yeah. that, you know. And um, I think the best uh, there's a, there's one example of this that I even found on my my uh, new game playthrough. Uh, no new game plus, no anything required. And there was a, a point where there was a guy who was standing behind a wall that would pull a lever and drop you into a pit with a bunch of enemies. Um, it was in the castle. Um, you might remember where I'm talking about. You have to run across a pathway to get a statue. And there's a guy behind a wall that would pull a lever to drop you down. Yes, yes. Uh, where all his guys would get you. And what I realized after dying in that area a couple times is, hang on a minute, I have grenades. Can I just kill that guy with a grenade and then run across and get the thing? And it turns out the answer is absolutely yes. You can just bypass that entire encounter by um, finding some way to off that dude that was pulling the lever. And um, that type of thing, that like weird little game breaky stuff, um, I really enjoy because it's clearly thought about because it doesn't ruin the experience. If you do it, it just enhances your feeling of, well, aren't I a clever bastard? <laughs> well, that's what, that's what the replayability in resident evil is all, all about. They don't punish you or make you go through everything. They want you to find creative ways around things. And that's why there's mm-hmm. such like a big speed running community around resident evil, because they let you do those fun things. Again, things that you wouldn't have known the first time. It doesn't ruin your first playthrough. You're gonna, you're going to hit every beat that they meant you to hit. Next time is you trying to find a way to beat the system. Yeah, absolutely. Although sometimes it does feel like that rocket launcher, you know, no matter where you use it in your first playthrough, it feels like beating the system, which is a good feeling. Don't get me wrong. And I like that <laughs> the guy even like makes fun of you for buying. He's like, well, personally, I, I just don't understand why you'd want to take the challenge out of things, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Not my place to say, really, but sometimes things are more interesting if you keep a level playing field. Don't you find? He's just too good a sport, and that's why we love him. Yeah, I didn't use a rocket launcher in my first playthrough. Um, did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, last boss. Final boss. Um, yeah, I think that I, I kind of knew at that point, you know, uh, we were about to make our escape, and this big, ugly monster rears its head. He's been the big bad sort of stalking you from the shadows of the whole game. Yes, I'm talking about Osmond. He turns into a gigantic hermit crab monstrosity, and I said... Nope. I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket launcher to the face and away I go. Um, he was a cool boss fight that that you didn't see. I, I have a save. I may go back and revisit it just to see what it's all about. It is kind of cool. So <laughs> he obviously, you know, you're trying to shoot the eyeballs or whatever, but entire mm-hmm. massive swarms of those bugs come out at the same time. Like it was it was a cool boss fight. I'll say that. But uh, to Two of my favorite moments had uh, was actually what came right after, and so mine carts and yeah. jet skis. Okay, mine carts and jet skis. Yeah, I forgot about this entirely. <laughs> These are uh, areas that I feel like in some games would have been super annoying. Like, oh god, I have to do this stupid scripted thing. No, you're basically getting on a theme park ride, and it, they do a really good job with it. At least I liked both both of those iterations. I thought were hugely additive. Yeah, I, I will say this game um, has incredible set pieces, and those are definitely some of the top ones, the the, the minecart. And, I, you know, rail shooters aren't normally my thing, but this is, like, the perfect peppering in of, like, a little spice that, like, you don't necessarily always love, but it's perfect in the moment. Um, I loved the, the minecart sequence. I loved the jet ski sequence, too. It was, like, nothing better than an escape on a jet ski. You forgot the other set piece that we all thought would be annoying too, and that was the Ashley section. Oh yeah, there there was definitely a full-on stealth sequence with uh with Ashley, which to my mind was the scariest part of the game. Like this is a survival horror game, sure. Light on the horror for my uh, personal um, 
from my personal opinion, but this Ashley section was definitely tense. And it could have been massively annoying. I think we've all played enough games no to know that there's that one section where he plays the helpless character that you're like, oh god, this is going to be a slog, this sucks. And the second I took control of her, I'm like, okay, well, this part's going to be lame. And then I ended up going, never mind, this part was pretty awesome. Like, they did a really good job with it. It was really good. The feeling of sort of just running from room to room, uh, making sure you're dodging all of the scary knights that are swinging down swords literally as you pass underneath them was really good. I think it was uh, only... <laughs> only matched in terms of like pure blood pumping enjoyment and smiling from ear to ear um, at, at the very end at the run up to the summit where you are being tailed by a helicopter uh, that's taking out cords of dudes ahead of you and I had the most like am I like playing a Resident Evil game or a Rambo game in this moment because like I'm running up this mountain I see dudes up in, in this area i chuck a grenade up there the helicopter flies over the other end and takes out the dudes on the other side and i'm like holy shit this is just this is uh this is a first person shooter campaign not a horror game but again they only let that part happen for a minute they do a very good job of like minor set pieces don't overstay its welcome get you back to the core experience but it breaks it mm -hmm. up so you're never like oh my god i've been doing the same thing forever like you go from like a a quiet area to a really loud area to a challenge to a puzzle to a crazy set piece and then you rinse and repeat and you do the whole thing all over again with new types of enemies and everything yeah i think chapter 15 like the run-up to the summit there is probably like my favorite chapter in the game like i was having the most fun uh you know because it, it basically starts with that that helicopter sequence going up um it ends with your krauser fight it is just wild um, it's your victory lap. Basically, it's like you have mastered the game. Now kick some ass right before the yeah. end, basically. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm talking about is 14 and 15, looking back at my notes. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, the Krauser fight ends with 14, and 15 is the run-up with the helicopter. And it is it is fully like triumphant and incredible. And nothing like anything else I've ever experienced in a Resident Evil game, but, you know, rivals some of the best action sequences I've experienced in any game. Yeah, agree. And again, for all this, this is why this game was so transformative. Again, this was the first like survival horror game to try to add those action elements into it and then do it in a way that worked very well. Again, these are counterintuitive um, ideas here. Survival mm -hmm, horror yeah. is all about, oh, you barely have enough ammo. I don't even know if I'd shoot that gun right now. Like You have to think about it every time you pull the trigger. You still balance that and have those moments along with like, a Call of Duty Chuck and grenades. Yeah. <laughs> and it works well, which is weird. It's like two giant, I'm going to say this word again because it's a Brian word, a juxtaposition of two very differing ideas and they marry it in a way that really made something special. And they kept that in, the, in this game. I think expounded on it a little bit more. And with that, uh, let's sum up our thoughts on Resident Evil 4 with a three-word review. My three-word review is worth the wait. Ever since I first played Resident Evil 7, I've had my eye on what many consider to be the best of the Resident Evil franchise, Resident Evil 4. And once Resident Evil 2 Remake came out, I knew it was only a matter of time before I would be able to see and play the latest and greatest iteration of this frequently remastered masterpiece. And boy was it worth the wait. Like Resident Evil Village, but more cohesive. Like Resident Evil 7, but sticks the landing with an incredible ending and like RE2, but with genre-defining action horror sensibilities. 
Above all, it's an incredible ride and by all accounts the best version of the story ever told. No unseemly misogyny, no stop-and-pop gunplay, improved and heightened character development, incredible combat, and of course, the RE save music to chill and study to. As a relatively new and increasingly big fan of the series, I'm very excited to see what's next for Resident Evil, and I'm hoping it will continue to be worth the wait. Very nice. I'm glad you finally jumped in and got to enjoy this once. So my three-word review is never buying again. So despite having purchased and repurchased Resident Evil 4 on almost every single console known to man since playing it on the original GameCube in college, the remake is honestly the first time I think I made it all the way back through the campaign, although I did get most of the way last year on the Oculus Quest version. I think the reason this is happening is because, despite being an absolute banger of a game and one of my all-time favorite and most memorable gaming experiences from college, I just couldn't get over the terrible control scheme. No amount of love or nostalgia can make me want to jump back in and do 20 more hours of stop-and-pop gameplay. It just, it's kind of ruining the fun for me at this point. And now that we've all grown accustomed to having those twin joysticks on our controllers, going back and giving up that massive quality of life improvement is just too big of an ask when time is limited and good games are plentiful. And that's why I was extremely excited that Capcom was finally taking the leap and deciding to give Resident Evil 4, one of their best games, the full remake treatment. For anyone who listens to this podcast, it will not be a surprise at all to know that I'm a major Resident Evil fan and that we had a great time playing some of the previous remakes. In fact, I think Capcom is honestly creating a bit of a renaissance right now for modern remakes of classic games, reimagining and rebuilding them from the ground up rather than just slapping some better textures on an old game. Uh, just this year alone, we've already seen Dead Space and Resident Evil 4 remakes, and I believe we're still going to see Silent Hill 2 before the year closes out, so this is definitely a trend that's catching on. I'm happy to report that this remake took all the lessons that they learned from the others and continued to perfect the art of modernizing old games, preserving the essence of what made them special in the first place while elevating it with 20 years of innovations and quality of life improvements. For me, this remake finally allowed me to do what I've been trying to do for all these years every time I rebuy this game, and that's recapture the magic of playing Resident Evil 4 for the first time, which I then turned around and did five more times. So. I'm sure the internet will demand my head for saying it, but for me, I'm happily never going to be buying this game again because this is now the definitive way for me to enjoy Resident Evil 4. And like any good zombie, I'm just glad this one refused to die. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, me too. I, uh, I'm, I'm glad we, uh, I'm glad they didn't let it die. I'm glad it was worth the wait. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at pixelplaypod. For us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. And I'm Clint Jones. Take care and keep on practicing those knife skills. Goodbye, stranger. <laughs>
I've been hearing it in my head for the past 20 years, man. (laughs) He's like one of the most iconic characters in all video games. And he had like three lines. Um, I'm so glad you played this game finally. I'm, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, no, this is really fun. I think this is my favorite Resident Evil yet, which I guess is fitting. Yeah, I, I guess most folks would probably say that. Like, I, I had a lot of fun. I think, I won't say it's the scariest Resident Evil. I think that goes to seven. Um, I think, it, you know, my three-word review kind of summed up my thoughts, but um, I think this game's ending is way better. I just, like, I left it feeling like, wow, that was really fucking cool. <laughs> oh, they end it on such a cool note. Like, it's impossible not to leave going like, oh, my God. Like, it's 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 the cinematic <laughs> moment. They do such a good job. Again, I just can't believe that those two things work together. Because um, survival horror is like the antithesis of all of that. But they do it. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, survival horror can be cinematic, but usually it's not in like this type of high-energy way. Like This is like the ending to like an 80s action movie, uh, yeah. not the ending to an 80s horror movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm very happy that they finally did it. I was afraid that they would not touch RE4 because it's such, like, I don't know. This was this was a dangerous move Capcom made, for sure. But it's clearly paid off. They've already, like, this is, like, I think this broke so many sales records already. Like, this clearly was the right move. You wanted to talk about what they do next. I str- yeah, strongly believe I- they're going to take a minute. And I think that they're actually going to remake the, the first game. Um, okay. So they technically remade it once already for GameCube. Um, but again, it was with the old tank controls. It was very much the same, just slapping new textures on it. I think, and I think they did new voice acting and some other things. But like, still, I think they're going to have to properly go back and retell. And the reason I think that is because the... Uh, Wasn't that the version that's out on PC too, or no? Yes, it is. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the ending like the ending after the ending after the other ending where you see Ada talking to somebody about, you know, why she was doing what she was doing. Right. That was Wesker. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be the big bad of the resident evil series. And yet no one that has been playing the remakes only has any context for, for for who he is or why he's important. And he, yeah, that's that's me. That's me. I was wondering who the fuck is this guy? He's extremely important, (laughs) but you wouldn't know that if you hadn't played the first game and, and like he was like the big bad for the first game. Um, he was their captain like the captain of the stars team like he was like and he betrayed all of them it's a big deal and then he kind of got peppered in throughout but again they're they're clearly about to make him be a big deal but they have no context for him i think they have to go back and like lay the foundation yeah i've absorbed through osmosis like the name wesker and the stakes that he holds within the series and i didn't i don't understand his whole place in like the, the resident evil cosmology if you will but um, I did at the end of this game see like this very scary. Um, uh, what's the name of the guy in Mass Effect Two? The elusive man. The elusive man. Yeah. yeah. So this sort of elusive man vibe that he has going on. Um, I am. I'm here for discovering what makes him so elusive in this uh, franchise. I guess. Yeah. Some people think they're going to go to five. I think they're going to take a beat and go back to. Either way, this is a whole new everything for resident evil so obviously resident evil 8 kind of capped off the ethan winters part so they'll if they go to something new they'll have to start a new saga if they go back with rose i don't think that that'll go past the uh the dlc i don't think that was well met it was like people like yeah okay 
I don't think anybody's too happy about it, so I don't think that's probably what they'll do long-term. Um, and to be fair, she has superpowers. That's not exciting long-term. You can't do that as, like, a main it's, character. It's a different type of game. We're talking about a prototype, not Resident Evil. Right. <laughs> do you remember do you remember Prototype? I do. That was a wild game. There was a whole <laughs> bunch of games like that all at once. Prototype, Infamous. Yeah, I like Prototype. That was a fun game. Yeah. We're but, talking PS3. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I, they're, they have to do something to now that we've i feel like they're doing this really good job of balancing like um the horror and action aspects and i know that they've just been remaking this series in order to this point but given that we just saw like well they skipped one of action they did three yeah they skipped one they went right yeah two three hit four i think they have to go back and like i think hitting I honestly think that they were afraid to remake four and they're afraid to remake one because those are the two most iconic ones. They've proved to themselves that they can take their gem, which I think if they had to pick one, four was probably the biggest stakes one. They proved they can do it. I think they'll go back and do the original. Well, I think um, seven probably should have told them all they needed to know about doing that. Like seven, right? I mean, it did. we're talking about exploring like a house, a very detailed house with a lot of very scary moments. Like yeah. that to me told me that and, and given it was first person, not third person, but Ooh, I don't what if I feel they like this team. Maybe they would have to. This has kind of bothered me. Like the mansion is big and all, but it's not a sprawling thing like Resident Evil 4 is. How do you make that up close and personal or scary again? And maybe the answer is do it first person. Like Resident Evil 7 did. Could be. I think, uh, a Resident Evil 1, you know, a bio a biohazard, if you will, remade in uh, the RE7 style, but with the sensibilities of RE4. Who's the... It's Chris Redfield, right? He's the main character Chris in the first one? Chris and oh, Jill Valentine, who was in 3. She was... I mean, these are the main characters. you got Chris Redfield, who was in um, the first one. He was in 5, and he's in 7, right? They kind of skip over. You got, but Redfield also makes appearances in. I think he oh, threw yeah, seven. throughout. Those are all the ones he's in. Yeah. Yeah, and then you got Leon, who was in four and six. And two. And two. And two. Yeah, two, four, six. So they they like skip over, right? And then six was the one where they brought them all together, but nobody liked. It was like the Avengers. So six game. was like the the yeah. Six was the Avengers end game of Resident Evil, but it sucked. They made it too crazy. People were like mm, too much. Too much, too I much. Think, do you think people will look back on Avengers Endgame in 20 years and be like, too much? No, it was meant <laughs> to much. It was meant to be ridiculous. <laughs> I think that they need to find a cooler way to bring the whole team together. In, they need in, the actual Avengers Endgame of Resident Evil. Yes. Not the, not the off-brand. <laughs> Pretend that didn't happen and find a new way to bring all, all the characters together. Yeah. Don't get yourself killed now. 